1: That you can speak out the truth, what God's direction and plan and purpose is. Now, we can look at that, man, and we say, man, I I don't know what got over me. I was was talking to a friend of mine. I was praying, Lord, I don't have anything to say, but I really want to share about you. And then all of a sudden, man, you start getting words, and it begins flowing. Is that you? Is that because you had all the training, because you went to all the classes? Or is that the work of the Holy Spirit? Using the gift of prophecy, yes, even in little old you. That God can and will do that.
0: Prophecy is a commonly used term in the church, but it is an easily confused spiritual gift. In today's message, Pastor David explores the scripture's teaching about the supernatural gift of prophecy. Prophecy is inspired by the Holy Spirit to speak on God's behalf to edify or challenge others. In 1 Corinthians, Paul labeled prophecy as one of the most important abilities that God gives. Pastor David expresses that this is a gift that God can use through anyone at any time. Now here's Pastor David with part two of today's message entitled, The Gifts of the Holy Spirit, part two.
1: unctioning of the Holy Spirit. There was a move of the Holy Spirit in Paul's life. I wonder if that unction hadn't happened, if Paul would have just kept trying to speak to the proconsul while Elamus continued to be a distraction and nothing would have ever really taken place. Paul, filled with the Holy Spirit, looked intently at him and said, O oh, full of all deceit and all fraud, you son of the devil, you enemy of all righteousness, will you not cease perverting the straight ways of the Lord? And now indeed the hand of the Lord is upon you. You shall be blind, not seeing the sun for a time. And guess what? Immediately a dark mist fell on him, and he went around seeking someone to lead him by the hand. That is a working of a miracle at that point in time. But even the greater miracle took place because of that miracle. And we see this in verse 12. It says, then the proconsul believed when he saw what had been done, being astonished at the teachings of the Lord. This is something that I've shared with at the beginning of this series on the gifts. The primary reason and purpose of them is, is to point people to Jesus is to bring people to the understanding and knowledge of the greatness of who God is, the power that works within him, and the desire that he has to work in and among people. The gifts are not an end to themselves. The gifts are to bring people, either bring people to Jesus or to encourage those who are already in Jesus as these gifts are used and worked in a real and true Holy Spirit-inspired, supernatural way. Now, that word that's translated as workings, or for the workings of miracles, it's the Greek word energema. Now, energema, that's where we get our word energy from. And it's found actually only twice in the entire New Testament. And both of them are found here in 1 Corinthians. Back in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, up in verse six, we read, there are diversities of energama of activities. There are diversities of energama, but it 's the same God who works all in all and then the other time is down in verse ten to another the energama or the working of miracles it 's interesting to note that, that that Paul speaks of healing. As a gift, the the charisma of healing. And yet he uses energma to designate these acts of the miracles. And I believe it's the working of miracles where where events, those are the events that show literally the power of God in action in a really special, not just a special way, but a very special, supernatural way, where it can't be explained any other way, that it is God that's working. The next gift that we're going to look at, it's at best, it's misunderstood by people. It's also claimed to be pretty controversial by others. Here in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 10, Paul adds the next gift. He says, to another, the gift of prophecy. The gift of prophecy. So what is... And what is not the gift of prophecy? Well, I believe in November of 2016 that so-and-so is gonna be elected for president. No, that's not what the gift of prophecy is. We're gonna look at it this evening. In answer to that very question, There's a wide variety of conclusions and and ideas and thoughts of what prophecy is and also what it's not. Before we move too far into the opinions, though, of of modern man and the theologians of today, and as I've shared with you many times, commentators, uh, as they speak about that, you got to remember, commentators, what are they? They're just commentators. They're not special taters at all. They're just commentators. So, again, we take their word, we, we balance it with Scripture. Is it real true? Can we really trust it? Well, before we get into that, it's really important for us to consider again what Paul has to say about this gift. And here in the context of the study, we find out that as far as the gift of prophecy, Paul deems that it's one of, if not the most important gift. Think about that for a moment. Paul himself, as he's listing these, look with me, if you would, 1 Corinthians, flip over to chapter 14, chapter 14 of 1 Corinthians. What does Paul say there in chapter 14, beginning in verse 1? He says, pursue love. Desire spiritual gifts, but what? Especially that you may prophesy. Well, Paul is saying right there. He says in verse, down in verse three, he says, he who prophesies speaks edification and exhortation and comfort to men. So what is prophecy? Well, it's edification. It's exhortation and it's words of comfort to men. He who prophesies edifies the church. What is prophecy? What does it do? Well, it edifies the church. It builds up, it strengthens the church. Paul lets us know right here. Now, Paul in verse five, he says, I wish you all spoke with tongues. Now, that's gonna be an interesting one, particularly depending upon your background. But he says, but even more, I wish that you all prophesied. For he who prophesies is greater than he who speaks with tongues. So we see right here, prophecy is a gift that excels all the others. We all ought to desire to have that. Well, pastor, I thought only pastors and teachers had that gift of prophecy. No. I I, I may be put in a place or a position or an office of being a pastor. There may be those who have the, the gift of teaching and they're in the place and the position of teaching, but that doesn't mean that God cannot give you the gift of prophecy at a time and at a place where it needs to be used, to where you can speak, the, again, the truths of God's word. That you can speak out the truth, what God's direction and plan and purpose is. Now, we can look at that, man, and we say, man, I, I don't know what got over me. I was, I was talking to a friend of mine, and I was praying, Lord, I don't have anything to say, but I really want to share about you. And then all of a sudden, man, you start getting words, and it begins flowing. Is that you? Is that because you had all the training, because you went to all the classes? Or is that the work of the Holy Spirit, using the gift of prophecy? Yes, even in little old you that God can and will do that. Now, I don't know about you, but it sounds to me as though through what Paul has just said here in 1 Corinthians 14, I believe that he felt that this particular gift was of utmost importance in the life, in the edification, and in the strength of the church as a whole. We need it within the body of Christ. British New Testament scholar, a fellow by the name of James Dunn, He says this, he says that without the gift of prophecy, the Christian community cannot exist as the body of Christ. It's been abandoned by God. Now that's pretty powerful. Do you think that there's churches around these days that open up their doors every Sunday or perhaps every Saturday whenever they meet? They've been abandoned by God? Because though there may be a lot of talk coming from the front, there may be a lot of wisdom, a lot of knowledge, but no real word of truth about who God is and the plans and the purposes of God that build up and encourage and edify and challenge and convict the church. I would have to agree with Don on that. If they don't really truly have the gift of prophecy working within that church, that church has been abandoned by God. Almost all commentators agree that this operation of the Spirit, catch this, is not an ecstatic declaration, but it's rational and communicative speech. In other words, people are going to be able to understand. That's why Paul says, hey, you know, I, I, I wish you all spoke in tongues, but better yet, man, I wish you all prophesied. Why? Because people can understand a prophecy. And again, it's not the prophecy of, of telling what's going to happen next week. It's telling forth the truth of who God is. We'll look at that in a moment. A fellow by the name of Alan F. Johnson, he helps us to be able to see some of the concerns or some of the issues that, that a lot of people have about this gift. He states in his commentary on 1 Corinthians, he says he says that there's three questions in dispute about this kind of communicative speech, this gift of prophecy. He says, first of all, is it spontaneous or is it a planned sermon? Is it spontaneous or is it a planned sermon? The second thing he asks is, do New Testament prophets foretell the future as well as bring words of warning, exhortation, and hope the same way that Old Testament prophets did? We'll look at that in a moment. The third question that he gives, and one that I added to it, is number three. What distinguishes prophecy speech in the New Testament from other forms of speech, such as the sermon? What's the difference between the words of prophecy and just normal, regular speech, or speaking out something, or just a sermon? Okay. And then fourthly, something I'd like to bring out is, Does the modern-day prophetic word hold the same authority as the written word of God, as our Bible? Now, that's an important question if you hadn't thought about that. Because what you're telling me when you come and say, you know, the Lord has given me a word, then you're telling me that that word has the same authority as this. That's why, again, we need to be very, very careful in how we phrase and how we say and what we, I mean, we we fall into a routine that a lot within the, the, the charismatic movement has gotten, a, thus saith the Lord or the Lord tells us this. I think we need to be very, very careful because I think the Lord's getting blamed for a whole lot of stuff he's never said. I think people are putting words in his mouth more often than not. Now, Some, in looking at these questions, some have declared that uh, prophecy refers to the function of communicating revelations from God as a spontaneous utterance. In other words, I'm just walking down the street and I happen to see you and all of a sudden, boom, the Holy Spirit comes upon me and I begin speaking a prophecy to you. Or we're in the middle of uh, uh, worship and all of a sudden somebody stands up and they start declaring a, a prophecy to the congregation. They said, that's what, that's what the gift of prophecy re- really is. And again, you need to have that in your church. You need to have people standing up every once in a while and just declaring, thus saith the Lord. Well, there's others, on the other hand, that have declared that the prophet is a spirit-endowed person who's preaching... Through thought-out and prepared sermons, contains admonition and comfort, the calls for repentance and promise, also someone who counsels as a pastor. So you've got two extremes here. You've got one that says they're going to jump up at, at any moment, at any time, spontaneous combust or spontaneous move of the whatever, uh, spontaneous. They're, they're going to jump up and declare and, and interrupt everything within the service. The other one that says, no, the word of prophecy only comes, in essence, from the pulpit. I want to give you tonight, I believe it's between the two someplace, that there is a balance between that. Why? Because I believe that God can give anyone at any time the gift of prophecy. Paul gets into the use of these gifts once we eventually get to chapter 14. We, we, you know, if, if the Lord tarries for a while, we will get to chapter 14 as we speak about the usages of the gifts. But again, somewhere in between these two. Johnson, the guy that I quoted before, he goes on to say that there's evidence supporting both of these views, both the spontaneous utterance as well as the thought-out prepared sermon. And yet, in 1 Corinthians chapter 14, let's look there real quick. We're not going to spend much time. 1 Corinthians chapter 14, down in verse 29. Verses 29 to 31 seems to lean more into the direction of spontaneous revelations occurring during the service itself. Look what it says in verse 29. He says, let two or three prophets speak and let the others judge, but if anything is revealed to another who sits by, let the first one keep silent, for you can all prophesy one by one that all may learn and all may be encouraged, and the spirits of the prophets are subject to the prophets. So on one hand, he, he said, Paul is saying here in 1 Corinthians chapter 14 verse 29 to 32, he's saying that The spirit of prophecy may come upon anybody during a church service when the body comes together. At the most, he says, only let two or three prophets speak. All the rest of them pretty much judge, see what's going on. And if the Lord moves on you to speak, well, then the other one can sit. Why? Because, again, it's not so spontaneous that you have no control about it. Now, the interesting thing is, up in verse 3, And then down in verse 31, it does recognize a teaching and a doctrine function of the prophets. What does it say up in verse 3? He who prophesies speaks edification, exhortation, and comfort to men. Down in verse 31, he says, for you can all prophesy one by one that all may learn and all may be encouraged. Now, more than anything else, we see the New Testament exercise of the gift of prophecy as not prediction, but it's elevated, it's inspired discourse, the the power of preaching for edification. As he said uh, earlier on, the whole idea of ministry, of pastoral preaching, teaching, instruction, Every true teacher and preacher may be called a prophet or at least has the gift of prophecy. I hate coming and giving labels and names. And yet I know many folks even within our community, you go to meet them and they are prophet so-and-so. I'm thinking, okay, what's your real name? Again, folks, I think that we put way too much in these kinds of titles, these kinds of things. The gift of prophecy, again, the, the apostles moved in the gifts of prophecy. One of the things that we know, the gift of prophecy, as I said, not a prediction. Uh, it's uh, Again, it's a, a word of edification more than anything else. The apostles moved in the gift of prophecy, They had that gift as they ministered to the body around. At the same time, there were others within the community, within the body of churches at the time of the apostles who were prophets, who had the call of prophecy. Agabus was was called a prophet. The sons of, or the daughters of Philip, they had the gift of prophecy. And there were other prophets, but yet they weren't apostles. So does that make sense to you? The apostles had the gift of prophecy, but not everybody that had the gift of prophecy was an apostle. The gift came as a gift of teaching, able to instruct the body of believers in the message of Christ, the work of faith. And however, again, though an apostle may have the gift of prophecy, not everybody who has the gift of prophecy is gonna be an apostle. That's how easy that is. Johnson goes on to say a little bit later, He says, perhaps prophecy tends to occur in the present moment with exhortation, comfort, hope, rebuke, and a call for repentance, while teaching involves more explanation, in-depth understanding, and clarification of the faith. I believe that someone who is truly teaching or preaching the Word of God, honestly, according to what the Word says, probably moves in both teaching and prophecy at the same time. I don't believe that you can be effective in a pulpit ministry without in some way having the gift of prophecy. Because again, speaking the truth of God's word. Different than teaching. I believe again, teaching also as a gift of the spirit, but different than prophecy. The other questions that we looked at dealing with this whole thing, we see that uh, prophecy in the New Testament does it really include foretelling as well as forthtelling? So, again, foretelling what's going to happen tomorrow, next week, five years from now versus forthtelling. This is what God's word declares. This is the declaration of who God is. Now, you can declare something moving in the gift of prophecy that does foretell. In other words, if our nation does not repent, We are going to be under the judgment of God. Now that's telling something that's going to happen, but it's actually just telling forth what God has already revealed and made known to us. Again, some New Testament prophets, such as Agabus, they predicted events that were going to occur in the near future. Paul, if you go to Jerusalem, man, they're going to bind you up. They're going to lock you up. Don't go to Jerusalem. Paul went anyway. The apostles, they wrote about, then spoke about coming apostasy, that these things are going to happen. We understand that. Now, we also know the book of Revelation written by the apostle John, totally predictive on that end. We understand, we know that special gift that God gave to John during that time. But again, the chief focus seems to be exhortation, teaching, warnings, and hope. Again, sometimes they come across with exhortation and comfort and hope. Sometimes it's rebuke, and sometimes it's, it's call for repentance. That's also within that gift of prophecy. Whereas teaching, again, involves more explanation, in-depth understanding, clarification of the faith. So we look at this, and we see pretty much the judgment seems to be that uh, between this uh, rather being ecstatic speech uncontrolled emotional experience, rapture or trance, whatever it might be, and that of speaking in other ways in a, in a planned purpose, a prayed through and prepared sermon. I believe that both of them can be, but I believe that again, as Paul directs the church, you've got to be careful in the usage of what, how that gift is, is being used. Again, content alone really is the thing that distinguishes prophecy from other forms of spirit-inspired speech somewhere. And there we go. Content alone seems to distinguish prophecy from other forms of spirit-inspired speech. Open our hearts. From within by the open word.
0: That's all the time we have for today on The Open Word. We hope today's message has touched you. Pastor David Landry will continue teaching through the book of 1 Corinthians on the next edition of The Open Word. But right now, we'd like to share with you how you can hear more from Pastor David. Just visit TheOpenWord.com and click on Teachings to hear or download past messages. You can also get in contact with us with any questions you might have or let us know how we can be praying for you on your faith journey. You can also connect with us on Facebook. We are thankful you've listened to today's message, but want to make sure that this isn't your only source of spiritual nurturing. We encourage you to find a church family who will help you grow in your walk with God. If you're in the Casa Grande area, we'd love to have you join us here at Calvary Chapel Casa Grande.
1: Here's Pastor David with more information. Hey, thanks, Chris. I'd like to personally invite you to join us here at Calvary Chapel Casa Grande for a time of worship and fellowship and studying the Bible. We meet every Sunday at 9 o'clock and 11 o'clock in the morning and on Wednesday and Saturday evenings at 6.30 p.m. You can find our address and directions by visiting theopenword.com and following the links to our church page. I look forward to meeting you in person and sharing this journey of faith with you.
0: Thanks, Pastor David. That's all the time we have for today. Be sure to tune in next time for another edition of The Open Word.